Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com, coming to you live from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on Thursday, April 25th, after the LA Galaxy 0-0 draw with Minnesota United on Wednesday night. Galaxy now get ready for a interesting game coming up against Real Salt Lake. Some two teams uh, going to certainly battle for position in this particular game. We're going to get you ready for that. Uh, we're also going to go over the Galaxy news that you needed to know. Going to talk a little bit about that Minnesota game as well. Maybe you're disappointed. Maybe the Galaxy are disappointed. We're going to talk about it. The Galaxy somehow abandoned their game plan. Did they not execute a game plan that could have beat Minnesota? Lots of things to talk about surrounding that Minnesota game. Glad you could join us. Uh, a lot of uh, fun stuff going on. I would remind everybody that please head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com or of course you can purchase all of the wonderful t-shirts that we have. Uh, those are up for sale all the time. Just click on the shop button. You can find scarves there. You can find stickers and coasters and everything else in between. Uh, but particularly wearing, uh, if you're watching the YouTube stream, the 2019 Corner of the Galaxy logo shirt right now uh, has a little bit of flair to it. I, pr I like it a lot. But anyway, if you want to head there and check that out, uh, you can certainly do that. Uh, just click the shop button and it'll take you right there. All right. Uh, no co-host tonight. Unfortunate. Uh, I believe Eric's actually uh, away vacationing in Hawaii. I probably shouldn't say that. Don't burgle his house or anything while he's gone. Uh, but anyway, uh, Eric, yeah, uh, not here. So he'll be back next week, and uh, we'll be sure to harass him about that. Um, I'm sure being he was away anyway, he probably didn't get to watch that midweek game. And I think even in Hawaii, he ended up having problems with Spectrum, by the way. Um, just in case you keep watching, I know somebody complained that I, I rant about Spectrum too much, but... Um, Ultimately, that TV contract continues to hurt the Galaxy right now and not necessarily help, although they are getting over $5 million a year. So it's a good balance of how much are we upsetting fans, how much are we not drawing fans, and of course, uh, cashing that five point whatever million dollar check uh, every single time. So yeah, those are sort of the, the options that you get whenever you're looking at, uh, you know, Spectrum and all that stuff. All right. The LA Galaxy played on Spectrum uh, against Minnesota United in, I think it's an interesting game. Um... This is not, hmm, I'm not as disappointed, I think, as, as some LA Galaxy fans are. I, I don't think I'm not as disappointed as, um, as some LA Galaxy players are. Uh, there's lots of interesting sort of side things that happen in this, and I think if you're going to take anything away from this game, you go everything is that the LA Galaxy coming into this game were tied for the top defense in the league. All right, that's already like newsworthy on itself. So coming into this game, they were a top defense in the league, uh, tied with LAFC. LAFC at that time had played two more games. Now they just play one more game. Uh, we know nobody scored on the LA Galaxy, so now the LA Galaxy uh, still have, are tied with the top defense um, in Major League Soccer right now, having only allowed seven goals uh, through eight games. Um, so now you look at that and, and you say, okay, so what can you take? Well, you can take away that it seems like, at least to me, from, from just watching this, that the LA Galaxy defense is not a fluke. Um, this seems real. If you saw how they were able to dominate Minnesota um, in almost any of the counterattacking you know, sort of possessions that, that Minnesota had, if you saw how they were able to slow down counterattacks, uh, if you saw how they were able to take players out of plays, I mean, Diego Polenta had an unbelievable night on defense. Uh, top-rated defender by far. Um, actually, not by far, but he was the top-rated. The second guy on that is 17-year-old um, Julian Araujo. Uh, the LA Galaxy lined up. As we knew, as, as I think we assumed that they would, they didn't change much. Um, you, you, the only change really was Ramon Alessandrini, who had to come out of the game, um, you know, against Houston early. Boateng came in. The only change there was that Boateng came in and started for um, Alessandrini in this particular case. Alessandrini did not travel. Uh, we knew that. Um, so... You know, that's the only change to this lineup, really. Everything else remained the same, so you were hoping that there would be some consistency. And I think Guillermo Barrescoloto, GBS has done a great job sort of trying to keep that consistency. Um, trying to not change too many things, even whenever they have to plug in a guy here or a guy there because of injuries or because they want to rest somebody. Uh, they're moving one piece, two pieces, max. 
and they're keeping everything else the same. So if you're looking at this field and what it was, um, you had Jorgen Shelvick at left back, left back, Diego Polenta center back, Daniel Stairs at center back, Julian Araujo at right back. Uh, we figured he would come in for Rolf Felcher. He did. That's not a surprise. He was in for Rolf Felcher last game as well. Um, what was a surprise is that he was playing like a grown man out there uh, and was dominating some professional athletes. If we learned, uh, if we learned a couple things, you know, one of the things is that the LA Galaxy defense seems to be for real, and the other thing is that Julian Araujo um, can play in Major League Soccer. Uh, Julian Araujo might be too good for Major League Soccer in a year or two, uh, but 17-year-old Julian Araujo is, uh, was a, a light in a dark time. I mean, you look at the right-back situation the Galaxy have had, you lose Felcher, who has been ranked among what, the top right-backs um, you know, in the league so far through, you know, six or seven games, um, you know, before he went out injured. Uh, so, so you knew that there was going to be a drop-off, but Araujo has come in, and while he looked a little shaky, I would say shakier in the Houston game than he did against Minnesota, in Minnesota, he was out, outright dominant. Um, you know, he stole a ball away from somebody twice in the span of, you know, 10 seconds. This, this kid understands things that well, we can talk about his injury and what that means long term. And, and we have little bits and pieces of information, uh, just to give you an idea of, obviously we're recording on Thursday night, the LA galaxy traveled back to LA on Thursday, um, they're then heading for training on Friday where they'll basically do, my guess is more of a recovery day than anything. They may have gotten a slight recovery today in on Thursday. So they'll do some light training on Friday. That's when media availability is. So Friday is when you're going to look for all the updates on injuries, where you're going to look for all of those things that you sort of need to know um, headed into the game on Sunday. Friday is that media availability. So we should know more about the Araujo injury, although we have a little bit. We should know more about Ramon Alessandrini, although we know, we know a little bit. So all those things, just sort of keep that in mind. But anyway, going through that lineup, again, Julian Araujo on the right-hand side. Uh, Ima Boateng on the left-hand side. Sebastian Legette and Joe Corona playing uh, above Jonathan Dos Santos in that triangle. Uh, Uriel Antuna playing on the right side. I don't like Antuna on the right side. I don't like Boateng on the left side. They need to switch more than I think that that needs to happen more, in my opinion. But that's that's the way it is. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic up top, um, you know, for the LA Galaxy in, in his striker position. So the Galaxy playing what you could call a 4-2-3-1. You could call it a 4-1-4-1. Um, you might even argue that it's some sort of, you know, 4-3-3, but the wingers are a little more press back. Um, so that's, that's, you know, sort of the idea that the Galaxy were going against Minnesota. Granted, this granted this was not a an LA Galaxy team that had changed from the Friday night game against Houston. This was mostly the same guys. So you're going on short rest. You're traveling to Minnesota. You get there on time, no issues. You get out there and you see a field. Oh my, um, you see a field, and you see a field that has long grass because it is not. Uh, it hasn't grabbed a hold yet. So they keep the blades of grass longer so that way not to shock the grass. Uh, and then you see a, a grass field that has not held at the bottom. All right, that is why you saw chunks of it coming in. It hasn't planted itself yet. It hasn't grabbed deep. Uh, they planted that grass just before winter um, on the November side, which actually apparently is when you're supposed to plant the grass. That's not the case. The problem is you, you need that time for that soil to grab hold. You need a time for everything to sort of mesh together. This is not the first time, and I think Joe Tatino even mentioned it on the broadcast, it's not the first time a new stadium has had trouble you know, with their field right away. But large chunks of it came up. I think the most uh, the most damning picture of all of that is Zlatan Ibrahimovic tearing up a large piece of grass, uh, a large piece of turf there, and sort of throwing it to the ground after he had slipped on it. Here's what I want to point out to you about how the LA Galaxy played, and you notice the change in how they play throughout that first 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, if you watch that game and go back and watch it, um, you're more than welcome to. Players were slipping all over the place in the first 10 minutes. Uh, there was no footing, and it was mostly Galaxy players. It wasn't Minnesota players for the most part. There was maybe one or two, but players were slipping all over the place, and it wasn't because the grass was wet. It was simply because the grass couldn't handle the hard turns, the speed at which the Galaxy were playing. Um, it couldn't handle those quick changes in position. It would just slide out from underneath. I mean, Zlatan slipped, and there was a look sort of that he got right away, which was, okay, I can't play the way I'm going to want to play today because this field is dangerous. I think it's interesting that the last field that sort of caused the Galaxy so many problems uh, back in 2017 where Baggio Husidic broke his leg was in Minnesota. It was just on the turf and not on the grass. So glad they went to grass, but that field has a long way to go. I'll tell you right now, that field absolutely impacted the way the Galaxy played because what did you see after the 15th minute? 
what did you see after the 15th minute? Is that you saw the galaxy not slipping anymore. So did the grass suddenly get stronger and could handle all of the switching? Or did the galaxy have to slow down and not cut as much and not be as sharp with their turns? Did everybody adjust to that? Yes, that's what happened. I know, I'm leading you down the path on this. But yes, that's what happened. The LA Galaxy adjusted to the field. And the adjustment there was, don't go as fast, don't cut as hard. When you think about the LA Galaxy playing at Dignity Health Sports Park, what are two of the things that you see in their movement? Sharp, quick, darting movements through the midfield with Jonathan Dos Santos, Sebastian Legette, Joe Corona. That's where the Galaxy sort of are their bread and butter. Quick, darting, uh, little runs, little little step-arounds, different players cutting back and forth against movement, and they're quick about it. Um, it's all at speed. And what did you see the Galaxy have to do? Slow down. All right, slow down. Everything slowed down. And if you want to get back to why the Galaxy probably weren't as successful as they should have been, especially not in the final third, and especially, um, I would say, you know, through the, transitioning through the center of the field into that final third, I think a lot of it can be due to the fact that they probably were taking a lot out of their game just in terms of how quick they were able to play. Uh, you can argue with it, that's fine, but you didn't see them slip as much as the game went on, and the reason was is they weren't cutting as hard, they weren't moving as fast. Um, so all of those things sort of, you know, take a toll on this. Uh, this is an interesting game because if you combine the possession for both teams, uh, basically 41% of this entire game was played smack dab in the middle of the field. Uh, and you can understand that when you knew that two defenses each had shutouts, that two defenses each played very well, um, and that the midfield for the LA Galaxy um, did a good job of snuffing out a lot of the possession that Minnesota had. The Galaxy ended up having 57% of possession in this game. Now it's a away game. And away game, the Galaxy go and have 57%. So 57-43 is what it comes down to. All right, so 57-43 in that, that's, that's a large number. They also had 501 passes the LA Galaxy did at 84% completion rate to Minnesota United's 374 passes. Now, looking at the way those two teams play, Pretty obvious that Minnesota is more of a counter-attacking team. Also pretty obvious that Adrian Heath's side were sitting back against the Galaxy and were not going to let anybody get in behind them. Um, that took Araujo somewhat out of the game. I thought he had more success on the right-hand side. It certainly took Boateng out of the game because he couldn't run in behind people and instead, as you saw, went up against Ike Parra without much speed. Um, and multiple times, Aparo was able to sort of, you know, match him stride for stride in short little distances. If you want to make Emmanuel Boateng not as dangerous as a player, you take away his speed. And I think Minnesota did a good job of shortening the amount of field he had to sort of get moving and get running. Um, and then that sort of led to, you know, I would say what is a subpar performance from, from Emmanuel Boateng. I will also say that... If you're looking at a place where the Galaxy could possibly switch up, if I think if, if Guillermo Barrescoloto had his choice, if Ramon Alessandrini isn't going to play and you know you're going to have to start somebody else outside of that, um, you probably start Chris Pontius over Ima Boateng. Boateng is a more dangerous sub. We all know that you know Boateng coming on in the 80th minute versus tired legs is you know is is a death knell for for that defense. Um, so he's more effective whenever he can run against tired legs. Him starting a game and then Minnesota doing a good job of shortening the field, um, you know, that's that's really what took him out of the game. Because then you're making Emmanuel Boateng try to dribble inside um, and try to create things. And I think Boateng is more creative on, in terms of just speed um, and then crossing into the thing. So... Um, it's it's one of those it's one of those things that I think if Guillermo you know could have had his choice and I don't think Chris Pontius who was coming back off of a muscle injury of some sort um, Pontius coming into that game wasn't ready to start now you could see that flipped in the RSL game in fact that's what I would almost predict is that Pontius takes over um, and then you can you can sort of switch those so whether Pontius hangs on the left or hangs on the right um, and Tuna takes the opposite side of whichever that is I think that's sort of you know more of the ideal of who you'd like to start in this particular case because. It's not, it's not very, um, you, they, really, you saw it at the end of the game, and I, I sort of lost my train of thought, but you saw it at the end of the game, which is that the Galaxy had no offensive spark to sort of come off the bench. Um, you know, they bring Chris Pontius in in the 65th minute, which I thought was earlier than they were going to bring him in. Uh, they bring in uh, Giancarlo, or Giancarlo Gonzalez, people Gonzalez, because Julian Araujo gets hurt. We can talk about that. Uh, then, the, the really only, the space, the only move you had left to make was to bring somebody else in for Antuna, and what you ended up doing was moving Legette outside and Carrasco underneath, 
pushing, uh, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos or Joe Corona up a little bit higher um, and allowing Carrasco to be a defensive midfielder. Um, and Antuna comes off and Leggett goes out to the wing, which is not horrible because that actually allowed the Galaxy to create some more shots or at least to create some more chances. Um, here's my big argument. You know the Galaxy outpossessed Minnesota. Um, we know the field was slow. Uh, the, the, my big argument here is that people are complaining that the Galaxy didn't have any other ideas except trying to get it to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, I've already sort of hinted that I think that Zlatan probably took himself out of that game a little bit just because he knew the field was dicey and didn't want to get hurt. I can understand that from him, and I think that's probably a smart move. Um, he was grouchy. He was angry. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that's sort of what you get with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Here's the deal. If you don't pass to Zlatan, you get yelled at. Uh, if you do pass to Zlatan and it's not where he wants it, you get yelled at. Um, you know, there's a lot of things. It's hard to do right. If you're going to take a shot, it better go in the goal because otherwise Zlatan's going to yell at you. Um, here's my argument, though. The LA Galaxy didn't use Zlatan Ibrahimovic in this game. Um, in fact, they, they didn't do a very good job of it at all. Uh, if you look, Zlatan Ibrahimovic had all of two shots in this game. One missed the target, one hit the target. The one that hit the target, he had to drop back about 25 yards, maybe even 30 yards outside the box, pick up the ball. Nobody picked him up, and he launched a long-range shot that, that knuckled a little bit, but that was easily uh, saved by, uh, by Vito Manone, the, the, the goalkeeper. So this is what they didn't do. Um, they didn't, the, the Galaxy actually had more people take shots in this game than I think in, in maybe some of the other games that we've seen. Uh, I see that Boateng took a shot. Um, Stara's actually had a header. I mean, you can't even count that. But the bottom line is there weren't a ton of shots. Um, but there were more shots from non-Zlatan than really we've seen in a long time. And they didn't create the chances. It wasn't that they were, it wasn't that the crosses weren't finding Zlatan, which they weren't. It's that they weren't opening up space. When you have a team like Minnesota who was, very content to play nine players behind the ball. Um, there were two rows of four basically dropping back and keeping Galaxy uh, in front of them. If you're doing that, you have to make moves and make chances. And that means a lot of running around Zlatan. And what we've seen is the Galaxy have been able to do that. They can pass sideways. Um, they can move stuff around. They can do a lot of stuff. They recycle. They get the outside backs up. Um, so you do all of these things uh, to sort of try to free up the space that then Zlatan can run into. And it doesn't matter if Zlatan has three guys on him. What you don't want is for those three guys to be set and standing around him. And so there was no movement around. One, probably because of the field. Uh, the Galaxy tried to recycle a couple times early in, the, in that first half, ended up having turnovers, counterattacks coming the other way. So in my mind, they didn't use Zlatan well in this. You need to hit Zlatan with more crosses. And the crossing was atrocious. Uh, bottom line is, if you have Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you should be able to find him. Uh, again, even if he has three guys on him, there aren't too many people who can mark him. He had two good shots, or good chances, I'll say. Uh, that The best one was him trying to bring that ball down into the box, which found him. And again, in space, he was a little slow. He's slow for two reasons. One, because of the field, and two, probably because he's, he's a little gassed. Uh, it was a quick turnaround for him. So... Um, you know, in this particular case, I think the Galaxy actually abandoned really what has worked for them up into this, which is to find Zlatan a lot. Um, and you can say that, but there was no movement off the ball. Ima Boateng had a really bad night. That was not a good night from him. He didn't open up any spot. Uh, Sebastian Legette had one shot. It was the most dangerous shot that the LA Galaxy had all night. Uh, in my mind, you want to see more from him. I know people are sort of complaining that he passes too much. I still think that's his game, but if he's going to be that cam, that central attacking midfielder, you want to see him take some shots. I mean, Antuna came inside and took a shot. You want to see those guys generate shots, but none of those were good shots. None of those were, oh, that was that was a great sort of play. Uh, the one play that I think goes unnoticed in this, and, and this is, I don't know if people remember this, um, I believe it was in the first half when Antuna was torching people on the right-hand side. Uh, Minnesota had no answer. He had gone there a couple times and already opened up some room. Antuna made a deke, came inside, and then looked up and saw that there was space. And he put that ball on the back post in the perfect place, and Zlatan wasn't ready for it. If you look at Zlatan's ratings in this game, this is might be his most... His, his, his lowest-rated game uh, that he's played for the LA Galaxy, he got a 6.5 um, whenever you look at these ratings out of a 10, okay? A 6.5. Emil Boateng got a 6.5, all right? Just to, just to sort of give you an idea of where that was at. Uh, the highest-rated player for the LA Galaxy is no surprise because he's the MVP of the season so far is Jonathan Dos Santos uh, an 8.1. 
I know that score came down a little bit because he was tired at the end and gave up a couple balls. But if you remember the one ball that he gave up to Ozzy Alonso um, towards the end of the second half there and then raced back 60 yards and was still in on the slide tackle that forced the shot that allowed Bingham to make the save... All those things, you know, you look at Jonathan Dos Santos, and he's been ridiculously good over this time. The LA Galaxy do not get a point in this game if Jonathan Dos Santos is not on the field. He was my man of the match. He was the highest rated player on the field. And my second was Diego Polenta, who had a 7.9. All right, a 7.9 on that rating. Diego Polenta was ridiculous on the night as well. So smart at popping out and taking pressure off whenever he needed to. So smart at slowing down counterattacks. I think there were probably three or four counterattacks that won't register as counterattacks because Diego Polenta was able to sort of angle Minnesota out of that play. Uh, Daniel Starris had a great night, 7.2. Julian Araujo had a 7.7, so the third highest rated player on the field, Julian Araujo. Um, he is the real deal. His injury is a big deal for the Galaxy because who's going to play right back? I think we have the answer to it because you saw it. I think People Gonzalez comes in and is going to possibly start. Now, uh, update on Julian Araujo. He left the stadium in crutches. To, so he was on crutches as he left the stadium. However, Guillermo Barrascalotto was actually pretty high on him, saying that he actually thinks that he might even be ready for Sunday. Uh, he said he might have gotten kicked. The, the, sort of the, the story that seems to be maybe a little more plausible is that uh, Araujo actually had, had a problem with the grass there, um, that that may have actually injured Araujo. Um, and so we'll see. I don't believe he's going to be ready to start. If you leave the field on crutches, it's hard for me to sit there and say, oh, yeah, you're totally, totally going to go and play on Sunday. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Um, not, not even a little bit. Um, and so, you know, Julian Araujo, whether or not he plays or not, I think the Galaxy already have the answer. If he doesn't, uh, if he can be on the bench, that would be good. Uh, but I think you try to give him rest. One, because he's probably going to be tired. Two, because he's injured. Uh, and three, because you have people, Gonzalez, who can probably go over there and play that right back position. Um, and he did, and he came in, and he played right. People, Gonzalez seems like he's the real deal as well. I like how... You know, Guillermo Barrascalotto has sort of slow played his inclusion into the roster, um, and I think he probably gets a start on Sunday as we're looking towards sort of Real Salt Lake. Um, for me, I need I, I need to see more from Antuna and Legette. Uh, Antuna is quick. He's fast. He can be technical, but he gets zero power on the ball whenever he shoots, and his cross is outside of the one I talked about. Um, for to Zlatan that Zlatan never saw and never made a break for him would have been an easy goal had he seen it. Um, outside of that, I, I find Antuna tends to float the ball too much. In fact, that's sort of my argument with Shelvick as well on the left side. And by the way, the lowest rated player for the LA Galaxy was Shelvick. Only point one, only point one below Ibrahimovic. All right, Ibrahimovic had a six point five. Boateng had a six point five. Shelvick had a six point four. Just to give you an idea of how poorly I think Ibrahimovic played. Um, and not only that, but I, you see it. There was not a lot there. And when Ibrahimovic seems uninterested, which I think he was more interested in staying healthy than trying to score goals in this particular one, um, I think that's the result you get. But Shelvik had his problems again. I don't think they were insurmountable. They certainly weren't a 5-0 rating. Um, he's going to get picked on, especially with Boateng and, and really whoever plays in that. Uh, Guillermo Berescoloto likes to get his backs up the field, and Shelvik likes to get up the field. And when Shelvik gets up the field, he takes bad angles on the way back. That's really the, the difference. Araujo can get up the field. He doesn't get up as much as Shelvik, but Araujo gets up the field but takes good angles on the way back. Um, you certainly understand that Shelvik is faster than a lot of people, and he still has he still struggles guarding people. I think Todd Donovan can probably come in and teach Jorgen Shelvick. Todd was never a speed guy, but he understood the angles. Look at Ashley Cole. Never a speed guy in terms of when he was with the LA Galaxy. Um, he was never a speed guy, but he knew how to take the angles. And for me, it's all about Shelvick and taking the angles. Um, but there's something to this. You can say Shelvick's trash. You can want him off of there. Um, as quickly as you want, but you also have to understand the LA Galaxy defense still rated one of the top, in fact, the top, tied for the top in Major League Soccer. So something's working there, even when it's not. Bingham didn't have to make too many saves. This wasn't one of those nights. The Galaxy outshot Minnesota 4-1 to one on goal. So, you know, you can say, I I'll be honest, people say that the LA Galaxy should have won that game. The chances they created never showed that they should have won that game. Talent-wise, I think you can say the LA Galaxy should have won that game. Um, but that, that just, that just never, never 
appeared for the Galaxy. They never seemed to look dangerous. Same thing on Minnesota. I think Minnesota had one or two dangerous chances. In fact, they're credited with one big chance. Um, that doesn't say a whole bunch about that game. The Galaxy were very good on defense. If you want to, if if you want to take the positive away, take this positive away. Jonathan Dos Santos, Sebastian Legette, Joe Corona, and that midfield are extremely good at what they do and in protecting the defense that's behind them. Diego Polenta and Dan Steris have been lights out this year. Julian Araujo is a revelation, um, and at 17 years old means that, you know, ne- it, technically as far as I, I, I see it, he starts next year. I mean, he's your starter. How can he not be your starter at 17? Granted, seen him two games. We, can, we always have a chance to sort of redo that, but that's what, that's what we can say um, about the LA Galaxy and, and sort of this Minnesota game. I... The injuries affected this game. We knew this. Alessandrini was definitely missed. If Alessandrini is in this, you have more creativity in that final third. Uh, I just wanted more movement. I wanted more movement from Boateng. I wanted more movement from Antuna. I wanted Shelvick and Araujo to get further up the field so that way they could also join into it, and it never seemed to appear to happen. Um, it never clicked. There were a few moments, you know, putting Boateng in, almost in behind Opara was was one. Um, just looking at it from that perspective, the Galaxy didn't create any chances. Uh, and quite honestly, I think if they would have found Ibrahimovic more, and he was even moving back because, again, there were eight players behind the ball. There wasn't that much space for the Galaxy to do, and whenever they did try to move quickly, they slipped and fell and, and gave the ball away. You saw that a lot in the first half. The second half was the Galaxy being tired. If you didn't see a tired LA Galaxy team out there, uh, I don't think you were watching uh, as much as you should have been. Um, and that tiredness is going to come into play as we look at Real Salt Lake. Um, so Shelvick, Shelvick wasn't good. And he better be paying attention because I think that uh, there's a guy, there's a kid, there's a kid named Didi Traore who is who is tearing it up for LA Galaxy 2 right now, uh, who could very well see more minutes. Remember, he already has his MLS debut. He came up and played against Vancouver. That granted, that was only two minutes of play. Um, but Traore has looked really good down at USL. I think if you're watching anything from those Galaxy 2 games, you're looking to see if Traore can possibly come up and take Shelvick's spot. And I don't think Guillermo Barrescalota would have any qualms about giving Traore a run out if Shelvick sort of continues to be a problem. Now, again, you can blame Shelvick. You can say he had a horrible game, and you can certainly see it, and you can say it's only a matter of time before he gives up the goal over there. But the LA Galaxy have given up one goal in the last four games. One goal in the last four games. That's a significant number. And that one goal was a, was a quite honestly, a BS penalty call. So, so that's you can complain about it, but there's two things you can complain about Shelvick is that he gives up big chances, yes, but the LA Galaxy have been able to sort of cover for that. Is he good enough on the offensive side to sort of justify that? Well, not if Triori can can come in and and be a difference maker because uh, I think that Guillermo Barrascoleto would love to have you know roughly I think I think Triori's 21 or 22, a 22 year old on the left hand side at defense and a 17 year old on the right hand side of defense. Um, so, I mean, that's what you see. The, the other big thing that, that maybe you could take away with this, and this is certainly nothing new, and I see it, you know, on Twitter, on Reddit, and all of those places, is the Galaxy's still missing sort of that central attacking midfielder, that real cam, number 10. Um, Sebastian Legette is trying to play that role, and I think that you saw that he was even a little more effective whenever he moved out left to cover for Boateng after Boateng went off um, and Carrasco came in. So... Or Boateng, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Whenever he got moved out wide, whenever uh, whenever Carrasco came in. Um, so when you look at that, that's something the Galaxy might still address. Now, Guillermo Barrescalota has talked about that. Excuse me, Dennis DeClosa has talked about that. Um, and certainly something we've talked on this podcast was that there's a possibility the LA Galaxy could go after somebody who plays both midfield and striker. You would expect that a 10 could do that. So um, we'll see where we're going to... We'll see where the Galaxy are going to go. I don't like... I, there were people who were saying that Zlatan needed another striker up next to him. No, he didn't. And no, that's not what the Galaxy want that to be right now. Um, playing in a 4-4-2 doesn't work for the Galaxy. They had to modify it a bunch to make Kamara work for it. Now, Kamara was smart enough to make it work, but really, Kamara was coming from deep-lying positions a lot of times in order to move forward um, and then combine with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's what Ibrahimovic is missing, is that combined playmaker. Really, Legit should be that guy. He should be able to break through and combine with Ibrahimovic in order to open up space for other players, and we haven't seen that. Um, some of that means that Legit also has to go into the box and not pass to Ibrahimovic and just take shots. That way people start collapsing on him as soon as he gets close. You want people to think you're a danger. Uh, Antuna doesn't seem to be scaring anybody. Boateng has never scared anybody but Real Salt Lake, which is a good thing because Real Salt Lake is coming. 
Um, but having said all of that, you you look at it, and the Galaxy were short on creativity. Uh, Ibrahimovic was probably uninterested in the game, so he didn't he didn't want to force the creativity. Uh, Legette, sometimes I don't know if he's capable of the type of creativity that you want to see. Uh, Corona is you know again he's sort of a, a little more of a defense first guy, although he does some really good combining with with Legette and with Jonathan Dos Santos. And Jonathan Dos Santos is a defensive box to box guy. Um, so all of those things can sort of put you into areas that are okay, but they're missing that final pass. Um, so you need to see somebody like Antuna be able to start scoring goals, and if he could do that, that opens up space. You need Boateng, Legette, and Corona to start scoring goals. Jonathan Dos Santos on late runs coming in to score goals. Um, but overall, the Minnesota game, I don't think you should be disappointed about it. I think that Zlatan is disappointed because he's Zlatan. Um, he's always going to be grumpy and upset whenever that happens. Um, but the Galaxy went on the road, dominated possession, uh, outpassed their opponent, uh, outshot their opponent on goal. It was 12 to 10 in total shots, which means Minnesota had a bunch of really crappy shots. Um, and so you look at that and say, okay, I mean, you, you tried, you got there, you got the point, you go home. Um, and you go home and you're tired. So that's something that you sort of want to continue to watch as the LA Galaxy sort of get ready um, for this game against Real Salt Lake. And the game against Real Salt Lake is no joke. Um... And this is this is why it's no joke. Is that Real Salt Lake has had will have eight days between games. The LA Galaxy will have three days between games. Um, RSL is coming off two back-to-back wins, and while they were sort of uh, hampered and hindered by some injuries and some red cards earlier on in the season, um, they have not been in their last two games. So it looks like they're sort of starting to figure some stuff out. So we'll, we'll talk more about that Real Salt Lake game, um, sort of as we go and as we continue to go. The the watch now. Um, is still on uh, to see uh, whether or not Zlatan can sort of uh, set a record or at least tie a record of goals in the first 34 games. He needs three goals next game on Sunday because he's now played 33 games and he has 29 goals. The record, as we've told you, is 32 by Mamadou Diallo. Uh, Raul Diaz Arce is 31. Right now he's tied with uh, Stern John and Carlos Ruiz at 29. Um, and all those guys had 34 games in play. So this is the last game sort of for Zlatan to go after that. If, you know, I think if it's if, if you're a smart Galaxy fan, you might be tweeting at Ibrahimovic that, uh, you know, he's you, you need to score three goals in this game. Otherwise, you're not going to set this record. Uh, and it would be, I think, a fun record to see him score. He is going to continue to be the LA Galaxy's game plan, as he should be. Um, again, you saw what happens when the LA Galaxy other players take shots and when there's no creativity in there. Um, so you get the ball, get it to Zlatan, and play off of him. That doesn't mean he has to score all the goals. That doesn't mean that you have to cross every ball into him. But, by the way, if you're crossing a ball into anybody else... Um, it better be on a set piece because the, the height that the LA Galaxy have is is on the back post. All right, That's where Diego Polenta is. That's where Dan Steris is. That's where Jorgen Shelvik is. That's where the height is. Um, the only other guy who's tall is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So crossing the ball into the box at anybody but Zlatan, if it's not, you, you, you're, you're sort of running a full, fool's errand here. So switch it up a little bit. I still want to see that cutback pass to the top of the, uh, top of the, the, the arc. Um, and bring it right outside the box, because I think that's a place where Sebastian Legette can hit. I think that's a place where Jonathan Dos Santos can hit. Um, I think that's a place that Antuna can penetrate on the right-hand side, cut that ball back to the top of the box, and you get a shot, or you get a fake shot pass into Ibrahimovic, which is then an easy goal. I mean, Ibrahimovic is going to continue to be a guy who's going to score the majority of your goals. And if you go away from that, you're going away from your highest percentage play. It can't all be that. I'm certainly in agreement. And Kevin and I disagreed with this. Disagreed. I, I said, you don't go away from Zlatan, but you need people to play off of Zlatan. So you still need to go and focus on the Lion because he is your best opportunity at scoring almost every single time. Um, I think at home with a little bit of rest and a little bit of home cooking that Ibrahimovic and the Galaxy will probably come out a lot different. But watch this second half in the Real Salt Lake game. Something, again, that we can we can sort of take a look at um, as we go forward. Uh, a big, uh, big shout-out here 
of course. I know some of you follow at Galaxy underscore History on Twitter, um, who does a great job of, you know, this day in history. A, a guy from, from England, by the way, is is tweeting out this stuff and is, you know, so in love with the Galaxy, which is kind of a cool story. I know Baxter did a story on it a while ago. You should go check it out if you can. But he just started at Galaxy or, or at G2 underscore History because apparently he has nothing better to do um, and he, he's not getting enough of his Galaxy fill. So this is Galaxy 2 History now. Um, so you should, you should definitely go follow. So at G2 underscore history, he might even be on Instagram as well. So check for him on Instagram. If you go to galaxy history, I think on Instagram, you might be able to find him there and then you could sort of find it, uh, through there. So I think he's doing all that, which of course is crazy because he's already staying, uh, ridiculously busy whenever this all comes down to it. So, um, that's something that you want to uh, want to go follow because if you're a fan of Galaxy history and it goes all the way back and there's there's gifts of all sorts of different things that you can watch um, that sort of give you an idea of the 24 year history of the LA Galaxy. Uh, there's always something new every day, so it's something to check out. So please go uh, go uh, follow at G2 underscore history um, and you're gonna get. I, I think you're gonna be happy. You're gonna understand Galaxy 2 a little bit more. You're gonna understand the Galaxy a little bit more. Um, and and it's 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 your duty as LA Galaxy fans to go and support him and help him do this. And I know he had t-shirts for sale for a while. I don't know if they're still for sale, um, but anything this guy does, he's doing on his own dime, much like we do here at Galaxy Podcast, Corner of the Galaxy, um, trying to trying to generate this stuff. So go support him. I think I bought one of his shirts as well, so I can't wait for that to come in, and I'll, I'll get to wear that on one of the shows as well. Um, let's go over, I think we went over the training schedule a little bit. Let's go to Josh's pet peeve section right now. Um, I don't know if you got to see the New York Red Bulls play at Sporting Kansas City, and I don't know if you got to see Kaku, um, you know, the New York Red Bulls uh, player who does not want to play for New York right now, who wanted to go to Mexico, but New York apparently priced him too high, and he's been all sorts of frustrated, and he's already been suspended by games for, for the club of just leaving him off the, the roster. So uh, this is Josh's pet peeve, and he has a Galaxy connection and all that fun stuff. But if you saw that game in the 90th minute, uh, Kaku was disappointed because a pass, I think, didn't go his way, and the ball eventually went out of bounds. Um, this was when New York, I think, was trying to push to, to either tie the game or, or, or get it closer, however it was, so he's frustrated. So he gets the ball, um, and while it is basically out of bounds, it's on the, it's on the touchline um, at... Uh, Children's Mercy Park there, he launches a rifled shot into the crowd. Now, I'm sure he was trying to hit the message boards and have the ball, but, you know, if you're that sucky of a, of a professional soccer player, maybe you shouldn't be trying to uh, to do that because he missed the message boards and ended up hitting a Sporting KC fan right in the face. He's probably 15 feet away, maybe even less than that. 15 feet away, full-on rifled shot, hit it hard, hit it with his laces, it was out of anger, it was out of disgust, and he smacks this fan right in the face. Now, a lot of us had speculated what the suspension would be. He got a red card for it, which gives him one game automatically. So, I think if you're any reasonable person in understanding what has gone on in this league for years, you could understand that MLS should come down pretty hard on a player injuring a fan. Whether or not it was 100% intentional, he intentionally kicked the ball. So Kaku came down, and so I thought maybe six or seven games, uh, maybe five games at the minimum, would sort of be what it, what it was. I mean, this this fan might have had a concussion. There were reports that perhaps the fan even got knocked unconscious with this particular uh, shot, um, that the fan doesn't even remember New York Red Bulls t players coming over and and shaking his hand afterwards. I mean, all that stuff seems to be real, and, and following message boards and, and looking at Facebook posts and stuff like that, that seems to be real. So MLS comes out, and... Uh, I will agree with the with the Kansas City Cauldron um, in sort of theirs. MLS comes out and tries to to just push this under the rug right before a busy slate of Wednesday night games. MLS disciplinary committee comes out and adds two additional games to Kaku. Now for LA Galaxy fans, it's a good news because the second game or the third game of that suspension will be against the LA Galaxy on May fourth whenever the Galaxy travel to New York Red Bulls. Good. Great, that's fine, but that's not what this is about. What this is about is that Major League Soccer once suspended, and the disciplinary committee once suspended Nigel DeYoung three games. He didn't get a red card. Three games whenever he stepped on Darlington Nagby in the, on the field of play between two players when he was going for the ball and in the greatest piece, I will say, of, I think, of MLS theater that maybe has ever been played, uh, you know, Darlington Nagby on an already injured ankle, it was already injured, gets in a wheelchair and is wheelchaired off the field in this particular day. It didn't help that Stu Holden was 
was was uh, was talking about that game as well. But whenever you look at all that, Nigel DeYoung, who the league clearly had it out for, um, got three games from the disciplinary committee when Kaku technically only gets two games from the disco and one for the red card that he already get. So which of these things is more egregious? Kaku hitting a fan from 15 feet and could have seriously injured, you know, possibly even killed. I know you're saying, oh, it's a ball to the face. No, it was close enough that you could have really hurt somebody, especially somebody who's not a professional soccer player who wasn't expecting the ball to be fired at their head from 15 feet away. Kaku, so he only gets three games and MLS tries to hide it by sending out a press release right before Wednesday night kickoffs between a whole bunch of stuff. It's ridiculous. All right? Absolutely ridiculous. Okay? And MLS, yeah, somebody said, well, maybe the police should get involved. And I'm never for that. I don't like I don't like police to get involved in sporting things. But quite honestly, if a fan had thrown a ball, not even not even kicked a ball, thrown a ball at Kaku, they would have gotten, you know, arrested or kicked out of the stadium. But when Kaku kicks hurts a fan i mean this is this is the the mls went to ridiculous lengths to justify whatever they came down on this um and so you know for me i'm calling bs uh as a reporter who covers the league you expect the league to dish out things in in fairness to what had happened all right this was a player who seriously injured a fan um, who was only 15 feet away, and he only gets two additional games when Nigel DeYoung got three. Three for injuring a player who was already injured and got a yellow card on the field. All right, and and Kansas City Cauldron was not pleased with it, the, the supporters group there, uh, and they let MLS know it, and I retweeted it if you want to check it out, at Jay Guessman. All right, that's it. That's what, I, that's what I wanted to tell you about. That's what I wanted to think about this this stuff. All right, so I wanted you to to at least hear my little rant because it was driving me crazy today, and this is the only way. Hopefully somebody at the league hears this. Hopefully they go and they look at what they just did. Will, do I think that ha- will happen? No. I think that they live in an insulated little house, especially the disciplinary committee. We don't even know who's on the disco. All right, we don't even know who gets to dish this punishment in quotation marks out. A guy misses three games after seriously injuring a fan. Seems perfectly reasonable, right? No, it seems ridiculous. Um, so again, keep that in mind as you're, as you're sort of paying attention to, uh, what MLS is doing. And, and again, the punishment that they're dealing, doling out from the disco and, you know, he got a red card in the game. Everybody on the field did what they were supposed to do in this particular case. But, um, you know, it's another failure sort of, of MLS to grasp the gravity of the situation, uh, whenever it comes to these types of things, but yet whenever something is worldwide news, which this seems like it was less worldwide news than whenever Nigel de Jong had to hurt somebody. Oh, Nigel de Jong's the problem. I'm still upset that uh, Nigel de Jong um, was targeted in a way uh, in Major League Soccer that basically made his tenure um, in in MLS, you know, it was not sustainable. And and Bruce Arena and everybody else sort of knew that. And they also didn't want to make him a DP, which is another another thing for the whole time. But the two smartest players that I've ever got to meet on the LA Galaxy, well, I'll put it to three because there's three smartest players I've ever really talked to and understood from the LA Galaxy. Um, Todd Donovan, Ashley Cole, Nigel DeYoung. All right. And the LA Galaxy got rid of one of those guys middle of the season. And from all accounts, they said if they would have kept him, that they would have won MLS Cup that year. Who knows? Don't know. Uh, let's go over the LA Galaxy standings here real quick. The LA Galaxy, with that point, maintain their second place in the Western Conference. Currently at 19 points, 2.38 points per game, having played eight games. Uh, LAFC at 22 points, nine games played, 2.44 points per game. So any sort of switch of you know LAFC um, losing and the LA Galaxy winning could see the LA Galaxy uh, jump up there and uh, and surpass LAFC or, or at least tie LAFC and look at the points per game. Uh, they would still be probably ahead in points per game because they'd be even on game. So keep an eye on that as this goes. Uh, the Seattle Sounders at 17 points right behind the LA Galaxy, just two points behind, and they drew with... Uh, who did they draw with? Was it Vancouver? I can't remember off the top of my head, to be honest with you. Uh, but Seattle drew um, that game, so that helped out the LA Galaxy. They maintained that. FC Dallas in 16th. Or it was 16th points. It was 16 points in fourth place. The Houston Dynamo, 13 points, fifth place. Minnesota, uh, the guys the LA Galaxy just drew to, 11 points, sixth place. Real Salt Lake, 10 points. Um, and I think climbing. I think RSL is one of those teams that's probably going to climb in a couple of positions here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Sporting Kansas City struggling still at nine points. San Jose in ninth. Vancouver in 10th. Portland in 11th. And the Colorado Rapids 
who have not won a game yet this season. Um, I believe the only team in Major League Soccer, yes, the only team in Major League Soccer not to win a game, the Colorado Rapids all the way down in in 12th. The LA Galaxy sits second in the Supporters Shield right now, so 2.38 points, it's the same. It's the Western Conference top three teams, and then DC United. Um, So you got LAFC, LA Galaxy, Seattle, and then DC United, FC Dallas, Montreal, and Toronto. Those are your top seven in the MLS Supporters Shield. Uh, Here's the interesting thing for the LA Galaxy. The top position they had in Major League Soccer in 2018 was a second place. Um, That happened right around the 7th and 8th games of last year. Um, So they were in second place. But on the Supporter Shield side, they never got higher than 7th. So the fact that they're currently second in the league right now, um, out of all teams in Major League Soccer, uh, means that the Galaxy have climbed higher than they have, obviously, in the last couple of years. Um, So something to sort of keep an eye on. I'm keeping track of the LA Galaxy's points throughout each month. Um, And right now, with 10 points in April, the LA Galaxy have a really good chance. Uh, Getting another three points against Real Salt Lake would be huge, would get them to 13 points in the month of April. And again, that goes right before May. May has six games. May has two East Coast trips. May has four games that are away and two that are at home. And then you come back and it's June. And June has one game at home and two games away. The Galaxy basically play at the beginning of June, and then you don't see them again uh, until they come back, I think, for July 4th. Um, So understand, only three games in May, but the Galaxy have one game at home, two games away. So the schedule gets significantly tougher through May and June, and then uh, into July, uh, where there's four games, August five games, September five games, October just has two games in it now with the new sort of uh, quickened and revised schedule that MLS is trying to put together here. So a big result, one, because it's a Western Conference foe, two, because they're right at the precipice right now of possibly even taking or tying for that first place in the Western Conference. Uh, depending on what LAFC does, and three, um, to close out April. Uh, April is a good month for them. They should have all the points. They should go undefeated in April, and that's what you want to watch. All right, so keep an eye on all that stuff. This is all going to feed into the LA Galaxy and how they do. Uh, Sunday versus RSL, we talked about that. May 4th, um, away to New York Red Bulls. May 8th, a Wednesday game, so Saturday, May 4th, Wednesday, May 8th at Columbus Crew. Columbus Crew, no slouch in Major League Soccer right now. Columbus is a good team. They're in fifth place. I think they could cause some problems from the LA Galaxy, plus it's the midweek, plus it's away. All those things will factor into the LA LA Galaxy's success or failure. And hopefully by that game, you're getting everybody healthy again, all right? You're getting everybody healthy again and, and, and sort of how that's going to go. Um, somebody in the chat room says, hey, can you talk about, um, let's see, it was David. David says, can you talk about Efren, Efrain and his Mexican commitments? Um, how much will he be available this year? Listen, Dennis DeClosa came out before the season even started. We said it a bunch on the podcast. He's going to be gone for a while. He's gone for right now for the, down in Mexico. Uh, he will not be available for the foreseeable future as Mexico plays in the CONCACAF tournament um, at the U-17 level to sort of decide eventually who's going to go to the U-17 World Cup. It's expected Mexico is going to make it. It's expected that Efrain is going to go to the Mexico, go to the U-17 World Cup. All that stuff is coming down the line. He will play when he can. They are going to be careful with his minutes, knowing that he's playing so much international soccer. But if you're an LA Galaxy fan, depending on Efrain Alvarez coming into play, do not count on that until sort of the tournaments and, and this stuff is over. Um, the Galaxy are going to let him go to this international soccer because it's part of his development and part of what they need. They don't have to. Um, but he does need this time. This is part of you know bringing up a 16-year-old as a professional soccer player is putting him in front of international talent and letting that happen. Um, so I, I think Dennis DeClosa knew that going in. It would have probably been nice to have Alvarez off the bench, but he's going to be gone for a little bit. A little bit. Um, but you're hopeful that by you know this Wednesday, May 8th game, that the Galaxy are fairly healthy again. We do not have an update. I'm telling you right now, we do not have an update on Roman Alessandrini. Here's what we know. That Alessandrini was scheduled for an MRI last Monday. We know that he had the MRI. We know that the Galaxy know the results of that MRI. And when Guillermo Barrascolotto, who, by the way, the LA Galaxy say all injury information will come from the coach, which is fine. When Guillermo Barrascolotto was asked about it after the game uh, against Minnesota, Kevin Baxter, the Panda himself, was there in Minnesota. And I don't know if he asked or he certainly heard the answer. But whenever whenever that question was posed to Guillermo Barrascolotto, he didn't have an answer on Ramon Alessandrini. He, I think he probably knows whether it's a language barrier to explaining it correctly or whether he doesn't want to say um, are two completely different things. Friday, 
I'm guessing there's going to be information about that. So pay attention on Friday. Uh, Felcher also look for an update on that. There was borderline whether he could play in Minnesota. I think it's still borderline whether or not he can play um, against Real Salt Lake on Sunday. And I think that means that people Gonzalez starts and that hopefully Julian Rajo, who Guillermo said might still be good for Sunday, um, you know, you put him on the bench. Uh, if not, maybe Felcher is good enough to actually sit on the bench and hope you don't need him. But to me, the only the only healthy guy that you have there right now is Gonzalez, and Gonzalez is probably going to play at that right back position, um, going you know at least going forward for a little bit until Araujo can recover, and then he can come in or Felcher can come in, or or again, hopefully everybody gets healthy. So that's where you sit uh, with the LA Galaxy in terms of their injuries. Uh, Chris Pontius looks like he's good to go I, again. I think if you're looking for um, I don't know if I've said this or not. There's probably going to be some slight rotation against Real Salt Lake, but the Galaxy aren't healthy enough to just rotate everybody right now. Um, you might want to look at rotating Jonathan Dos Santos. You might want to look at not starting him, but that's tough to do when you have a full week off the next week. He put in a ton of miles, and he's played every minute of every game so far, and he was he was exhausted at the end of that Minnesota game. So, um, you know, there's some real concern, I think, there that whether or not you're going to get him back in, in full and good enough shape for, for Sunday against Real Salt Lake. Um, so sort of keep an eye on on that. Um, Rob uh, actually asked this question. He goes, uh, he goes, based on yesterday's game, do you see any players getting some rest for Sunday, and if so, who? Um, I think Boateng actually probably comes off of the... Uh, comes comes off of the starting lineup, goes to the bench. I think Chris Pontius probably starts. That's a good switch there to give some guy. But other than that, People Gonzalez comes in on the right-hand side, but that's only for injuries. I don't know who you're going to give a bunch of time to and a bunch of rest to against Real Salt Lake. Again, knowing you have a full week the next week, you probably press through and you try to get as much out of these guys as you can and you recover the next week. Um, so that's something to sort of uh, sort of watch too. Somebody was asking again, um, uh, Football Galaxy in the chat room says, uh, Josh, are, are the Galaxy still searching for a second striker? The answer is yes and no. I think that they probably have the guy that they're picked out. Kevin sort of gave you an insight on that if you listen to our Monday shows. I don't know if it was last Monday or the Monday before, but it's important to sort of listen to this. Um, he sat down with Dennis DeClosa, or apparently he was standing. I said sat down, and he said, no, we were standing. Um, so Dennis DeClosa and him had a chat. Um, they talked about you know bringing in more people, and the bottom line is that the transfer window closes for MLS on May 7th. So that's rapidly approaching now. You're, what, 12 days away, 13 days away, whatever that ends up being. So you don't have a lot of time to complete that if you're going to complete it. Uh, Dennis made several sort of hints that, one, the player could come from anywhere, so don't necessarily think it's a Latin American player. Uh, could definitely be over in Europe. Uh, and two, that he was looking for somebody, and it wasn't a striker, but it wasn't. Uh, it was somebody who could play two positions. And that is the best answer, because you need somebody you need to get minutes to. So could this be the answer that the Galaxy are looking for? Can you go out and get a, a, a cam-type player, center-attacking midfield? Can you get a playmaker? Can you get a number 10 that isn't going to break the bank, although I think the Galaxy can still make another tan signing here that isn't going to break the bank um, and comes in and can play you know, centrally for Legette, which means you can probably push Legette out to one of the wings um, where maybe he could be more effective or he can fill in for Legette or he can fill in for Ibrahimovic. It really, you sort of need a Swiss army guy, a Swiss army knife guy. You need a guy who can fit into a bunch of different positions so that way the Galaxy can then um, you know, give him playing time by, but not just sitting him on the bench behind um, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's the important part is that you can't say, oh, we you want to bring in a high-profile player and say, but you get to play only if Zlatan is is healthy, um, or only if he's hurt, and and that's not going to work. So you need to have a place where you can fit in multiple areas, so that way you can give guys rest. I don't think they're going to get that done. And Dennis has hinted at that whoever they're talking to uh, might need to wait until the season is over with their team, and that means a summer transfer. So I think the Galaxy are standing pat here. I don't think they're going out after anybody right now. I don't think that they're in a great hurry to get it done. I think they're going to let sort of the chips fall where they may. And, and listen, I expect the Galaxy's uh, you know, a record to not be as good as it is right now. Um, I expect that they're going to lose some games coming up in the next couple of months because the schedule is tough, it's condensed, and right now they're suffering from injuries. So looking at that realistically, you have to sort of sit there and say, okay, you understand where the Galaxy are and, and, and sort of where they could be. And you've got to be a little realistic about how that is. And then in the summertime, whenever after June 30th and you really get into July when the primary transfer window opens back up again, that's whenever the LA Galaxy are going to make this decision. So 
again, uh, we'll see. It, we'll see if the Galaxy can sort of make that deal. They still have an open international slot, so that means they can bring in somebody from anywhere. Um, I would love it if I think the Galaxy went domestic with the choice, and the reason that is is because then they're not reliant on those international slots next year. Um, but that's more of a, I think, a smart roster building idea in my head than it necessarily would be for somebody like uh, Dennis DeClosa. And he may already know which international players are leaving at the end of the year um, and therefore can figure it out. And, you know, maybe they're going to be down to international slots. And so that that makes a whole bunch of player a whole, a whole bunch of sense. Um, let me get some other questions here before I get you to. Um, just my real brief preview of, of Real Salt Lake and getting ready for Sunday. Um, Brian asks, can you discuss how extremely vulnerable we are? I imagine he's saying the Galaxy. The Galaxy are to counterattacks playing uh, GBS style of play, and what are some solutions? Um, okay, Brian, here's the thing. The Galaxy may look like they're vulnerable to counterattacks, but the Galaxy are actually ridiculously good at not being vulnerable to counterattacks. And look at games against Houston, who's a counterattacking team. Look at games against Minnesota, who's a counterattacking team. Uh, the Galaxy defense has figured out a way to slow down these counterattacks. So saying that they're you know, extremely vulnerable is a lie because they've been able to handle some of the these bigger issues. And I'm not saying you're lying, but it's, it's just not a truth that I can get behind. Um, the Galaxy are vulnerable because of this reason. Because guys like Jorgen Shelvik and the outside back, whoever it is, Araujo or Felcher or, or People Gonzalez, whoever it is, get high up the field. They technically go with a three-man back line whenever that happens. Usually it's one side or the other goes forward. Sometimes it's both. When that happens, Jonathan Dos Santos has to drop back to make sure that there's at least three three in the back, and he's done a really good job of that. Um, so that's why the Galaxy can be open. The other reason the Galaxy are, are, are somewhat susceptible to counterattacks and teams who think that they're good at counterattacking would like to exploit the Galaxy is that they like to dink and duck with their passes. Uh, short little pass here, short little pass here, short little pass through the middle. Let me go around you. Let me step outside. You're stepping as a defender to me. I'm going to let you step, and I'm going to go around you once you're planted. Um, all those things are great, but they can lead to turnovers. Look at Jonathan Dos Santos getting tired um, and trying to go around Ozzy Alonso in that game, and then leading to a counterattack, which he then, Jonathan Dos Santos, ran back like 65 yards in order to slide tackle in the box, and Bingham was able to make the save. Um, you know, that was the best counterattacking chance that they had in that particular game. Um, so that's why the Galaxy are susceptible to counterattacks. However, the defense that they're playing right now is not susceptible to counterattacks. They're smart about when they do it. They're smart about trying not to give up the ball on dangerous positions. And I think that's any team, but more so with the Galaxy whenever you get outside backs moving forward. Um, and that opens up a lot of space and, and ways. I'll say that Jonathan Dos Santos, Joe Corona, and Sebastian Legette work their butts off in terms of breaking up that counter quickly, um, not letting the counter get started, fouling when you need to. All those things are important things to killing the counterattack. And so far, the Galaxy have been ridiculously good at it um let's see uh let's see jesus d ramos says on facebook he says is the galaxy defense strong enough to defend against thanos um uh, no because with the snap of the finger that would be over and how will they improve their attack uh for me the la galaxy need to continue to work their craft this is a a team understanding what they're trying to do um I don't, I'm going to compare for a second with sort of where LAFC is and what their offense is doing, and they're scoring a ton of goals, and where the Galaxy are. LAFC has basically the same offense, and everything has stayed since last season. The Galaxy are just learning it this season. You're seeing this offense really sort of be born over these last seven or eight games and going into the ninth game. So you just want to see them take step forwards on a crappy field in Minnesota, in the rain, um, with injuries and being tired is not the place you're going to see them step forward, but they didn't step backwards. And that's the important thing. So yes, I think the Galaxy will improve their attack just by playing next to each other and attacking next to each other. And again, give me some of those smart runs off the ball with Zlatan having the ball. Good Lord, let it happen. All right, Zlatan will score a ton of goals and he'll also have seven or eight assists. All right, let him be MVP of the league this year. All right, that's what you want to see from that. Um, some other questions that we had. Uh, I went to Reddit this time and got some. Uh, let's see. Uh, GalaxyFan89 says, I guess maybe just your opinion on whether this Galaxy defense is the real deal or not. Yes, I think this Galaxy defense is the real deal. How can you... It's hard to argue against it. I think Jorgen can't, is the weakest link. And if Jorgen is the weakest link, and I don't think Jorgen's as bad as all y'all think he is. Um, if Jorgen is the weakest link, this LA Galaxy defense is for real. Not only that, they have depth uh, with people Gonzalez. Put people on this line. 
let's see what happens as well. Um, you know, I'm all for getting the Galaxy's best defenders on the field, however that happens. If you can get Dave Romney into it, if you can get Didi Troyori into it, then work those guys into this lineup. But they have depth, and I think that this is... This could be an interesting time for the LA Galaxy. It has been a long time since you've been able to look at a Galaxy defense and say, okay, I get it. Um, you guys are good. And that hasn't happened. And, and Daniel Starr has sort of said, you know, they've come out with a plan every single game on how to handle these things, and they're working their plan. So plan your work, work your plan. That's what the LA Galaxy defense is doing right now. I'm not saying they didn't have a plan the last two years, but they didn't have a plan the last two years, and this year they do, and Guillermo has been really important. Remember all of the preseason that everybody's sitting there saying, okay, when the, what did the Galaxy... They were always working on defense, and it's a defense first, and that happens from the midfield as well. The Galaxy have one of the most talented midfields I've seen in a while. You have to go back to Juninho and Marcelo Sarvis to really understand what the three in the middle have done for the LA Galaxy, Jonathan Dos Santos, Sebastian Legette, and Joe Corona. Um, let's see. Uh, I already injured. I get an injury update. Um, here's one. Uh, DS now a four on Reddit says, uh, Josh with Araujo being only 17. Can you see Hernandez Foster from the Academy coming up to get a peek at the first team this year or next? Now I know the level of talent is far apart between the two, but he sure does look promising and plays on the left. What an attack minded defense that could be with Araujo on the right and Foster on the left. I think Triori actually has a better chance of that happening. Uh, I think Foster and I don't know his age. It still seems like he's young and they're still working him through the academy so that's sort of he needs to go from the next step is really you know LA Galaxy 2 um, and then sort of you know training with the senior team that type of thing so look at Triori to come up instead of anything else um, so that's what that's what you're trying to see all right let's get to Real Salt Lake real quick uh, the LA Galaxy face off against a Real Salt Lake on Sunday 5 p.m. 5 p.m. kickoff I would imagine the kickoff is actually at 507 or 508 that's usually what Spectrum Sportsnet does um, after the hour so 507 508 make sure you're there Dignity Hell Sports Park the game broadcast on Spectrum Sportsnet so don't come crying about blackouts I know I get it RSL coming off a three nothing win excuse me a three nothing win at Cincinnati on April 19th, that is eight days between games. The LA Galaxy, the 0-0 drop. Minnesota, three days between games. Uh, Minnesota has won their, excuse me, Real Salt Lake has won their last two games. Uh, talking about that 3 nothing win over uh, FC Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a little bit of a, a dumpster fire in the last couple of games. So, you know, you can sort of understand that. But going there and doing stuff. As I mentioned before... There were a bunch of red cards that started out this season, and that was probably one of the reasons that that uh, Real Salt Lake was not as good um, as he could have been. Uh, Sam Johnson, I, I talked to Brian Dunseth, um, who you know from uh, former MLS player and everything else. Um, however, you look at that, uh, uh, Dunny is is a great thing. So he sort of you know gave me some ideas here uh, of what it was, and and we had a quick conversation and sort of that. So um, you know, really, he talks about uh, the bunch of red cards start the season. Sam Johnson injured and was on international duty. Um, you know, and then it's just about making simple mistakes. And and now that team, this team now is settled, um, and they're even they're still sort of you know wavering now between uh between what to do about this Everton Luis injury um and, and Dunny says he was their best player um you're gonna look and perhaps even see you know an unfamiliar face whenever you look at um the goalkeeping position because you expect it to be Nick Romando and Andrew Putna right now might be better than Nick Romando I mean age age wins all right the the test of time it, it eventually happens and Nick Romando uh maybe isn't isn't that guy anymore and so you're gonna see Andrew Putna uh possibly Possibly back there in goal. You still have the guys like Beckerman and Krylak. Um, you have Al Albert Rusnak again, who's their sort of leader. He has two penalty kick goals, but has four goals overall. So this is the team that spreads that, that sort of spreads around the goals and spreads around the assists. Uh, Savarino's in there, Baird's in there. You know, uh, Johnson up top now. Uh, Sam Johnson up top. So all these things sort of seem to be, you know coming together for Real Salt Lake and you, you gotta give it Mike Petkey gets up for, for playing the Galaxy I'll tell you that right now always has uh, the last time the LA Galaxy played Real Salt Lake was in in Salt Lake uh, that was a 6-2 to two win last year on September 1st by Real Salt Lake uh, and then you went on June 9th the LA Galaxy actually beat Real Salt Lake 3-0 um, at home so you look at sort of where that goes and how it goes and the last time the LA Galaxy won at, in Sandy, Utah um, was, let's see, it was back in 2017, actually, a 2-1 win in Sandy, Utah. What do you what do you know? A game somebody actually won in 2017. Um, the last time these two teams sort of, if you go back, the other games that were played in L.A., uh, September 30th, 2017 was a 1-1 draw. July 4th, 2017, 
Oh, I know some of you remember that game. 6-2 game for Real Salt Lake um, over the LA Galaxy on July 4th at StubHub Center at the time. So um, Real Salt Lake always gets up to play the LA Galaxy. I would expect nothing different. Um, and quite honestly, it seems like they're starting to settle in. So again... This is a big deal for the LA Galaxy. RSL is coming in rested, and they're coming in on a bit of a, of, of a confidence boost having won their last two games. The Galaxy drew that last game. You have to feel like they're still pretty confident, though, as they head forward and do all that stuff. All right. Is there anything else that we need to cover? I think I got everybody's questions there. Uh, the chat room has been great, so you guys uh, in the chat room are great. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, you never watched one of our live shows, go on over to YouTube and subscribe to us. Um, that's the best way to do it and, and the easiest way to make it happen. Um, and so it's sort of fun. You get to see inside the studio as well and, and look at all the stuff that uh, that we have in here. Um, and it's fun, especially whenever we have people in studio as well. So the Hammer should be back next week. Uh, we'll talk to him and harass him about uh, his vacation time and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, whenever that happens and of course we'll uh, be recapping that RSL game on Monday and sort of getting you getting you through it with uh, me and the panda and then you will go over to the hammer and get you ready as the galaxy start to fly away um, and head to New York Red Bulls for that May 4th match so a lot of soccer coming up for the LA Galaxy especially before June so we hope you're tucked in and ready to go and understand uh, how crazy it's about to be alright if you're looking for me on Twitter it's at jgesman j-g-u-e-s-m-a-n of course at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Click the shop button, do any of that stuff, pick any of those products. All that stuff helps support this show. Uh, if you're looking for any of our articles, cornerofthegalaxy.com, our podcasts are there, all that stuff right there. Um, and we appreciate all the support. All right, LA Galaxy face off against Real Salt Lake at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Spectrum Sportsnet at Dignity Health Sports Park. Hopefully, we'll see everybody there at this game. Should be an interesting game. A little bit earlier of a start time, which is always nice, so I will see you out there. Uh, have safe travels, safe trips up to uh, Dignity Health Sports Park, wherever you're headed, wherever you're watching. All right, I'm Josh Kessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.